Please listen carefully. G'day. You're listening to City Speak with Greg Van and Stephen Yarwood, a podcast about cities by people who love cities and want you to love your city too. Hi, Greg. Stephen, so good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. I'm going to find this one a little bit of a challenge. You know why? Um, no, what I'm anxious to hear, so please proceed. Well, we're going to talk a bit about ourselves. Oh, yeah, that's always a bit of a bummer, isn't it, you know? It is. It's a very big challenge. I get a bit enthusiastic about the work I do, and sometimes I end up talking about all the cool stuff I've done. But this time, I think it's important that we share where we've come from, what we want to do, what we want to achieve, and why we're actually doing this. Yeah, and I guess we, you know, we did sort of, uh, in the introductory episode, say a little bit about who we are. But I think what we can do here is actually talk a, a lot more about who we are, where we've come from, what we're doing why we're doing it position this so that people understand that this is yeah we have a lot of fun we learn a lot but you know we have a kind of deep driver about doing this mm. and also to a certain extent it's about people understanding our friendship so that when they call when i call you a dickhead they know that i don't really mean it because no, because i have a, a huge yeah. amount of respect for you because you, you've got you've had an amazing career uh, and i often introduce you as sort of the grandfather or godfather of planning in queensland but yeah. also like, an australian guru um but you're still a dickhead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it comes with the territory. But, but uh, the, the uh, yeah, and I, I sort of wait for five minutes in the conversation that you're having with people before I tell them, you used to be Lord Me, you know. Oh. <laughs> people are already wincing that I've you called, should, you, called you names already. You so have, you I, I do have, love this, you Jen, just, you know yeah, that. Yeah, likewise. You should have seen the looks on the faces we, we've done on a recent road trip when I, I wait for a few minutes and tell people he's... You know, this bloke used to be Lord Mayor of Adelaide, you know. And yes, there's two, there's like the veneration response and there's the you're joking response, you know. So <laughs> sometimes mixed in together, actually. And, and we might get into that, but I, I call that entertaining myself because it's no big deal. And I like to that's, talk about it a bit. Uh, but I still that's often known as self-amuse, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, right. You know, I still can't believe I got away with it in the first place. And it was an amazing and incredibly privileged journey. But you can get a bit of a laugh out of it sometimes. Well, I'll maybe tell a couple of stories as we go but we are going to interview each other to a certain extent yeah and so let's get started we've yeah. started on you so let's let's wind back before lord mayor and let's just talk a little bit about where you came from and, and a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up wow well i was going to start with you so uh, you beat me to it but okay um i was born in Wyala which is a very small, relatively small 30,000 industrial town in uh, regional South Australia. Mum and dad split up when I was five, and so I've actually grown up in a single-parent household my whole life. Didn't have a dad. And just quickly for those, the reason Greg and I became friends is because I did a national search for a mentor and um, because I was always looking for role models and um, couldn't find one, as I've said a thousand times. So Greg was the second best. I'll have to do. Yeah, obviously, and it's worked. No, no, it's... And, 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 you know, by it's really a nice thing for someone to have done and for, to to have received that, you know. So I really I appreciate. It. Yeah, I did. I did appreciate. We it. have a lot of friends, um, and so born in Wyala, um, born in 1971, and then in 1976, a little movie called Star Wars came out. And sometimes people look at me with confused looks, and other times people said, "You had me at Star Wars," and that was a, a start of a fascination I had with the future. Star Wars is space opera; it's not science fiction, uh, but it was the early days of science science fiction and it was really pivotal in my life in terms of always being interested in science fiction and then time travel and 
you know, a whole pile of things that was about understanding the future, and that's kind of got me to where we'll talk uh, later on. So that that's where I was born, and then I came to Adelaide. Um, I was privileged enough to grow up in the eastern suburbs. My mum was a primary school teacher, and she hocked herself to the hilt to get us in the best possible public school she could possibly do because that's the best she could do uh, and she worked really hard to, to do all of those sorts of things and in terms of mum being a primary school teacher the best thing that she gave me was the ability especially coming from South Australia speaking the Queen's English uh, and I I'm, say that with a sense of humour but it certainly helped me in, in my journey and, and I've got a, a great face for podcast uh, but certainly um, I don't mind a bit of English and, and uh, although you've got all the big fancy words Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I come from Queensland, mate, you know, so they talk that sort of stuff up there real good, you know. No yeah. worries. So another Queensland friend of mine is now living down here, said they speak a bit poche here. Yeah, which is posh. <laughs> If you're, for those, <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. It is interesting there's a difference in the accents so, and things. So, right, right back at you. Um, yeah. Well, I, I had the opposite of your your upbringing in, in the sense that I was uh, I was born and bred in Brisbane. I grew up at Ashgrove in the Gap, two well-to-do suburbs in the western part of the city. You know, I had, um, my dad was a lawyer, uh, you know, senior partner in a big legal firm. Mum didn't work after marriage and so we had a stable home. Uh, I was one of five kids, you know, and, and so I had the opportunity to go to, one of, you know, one of the best secondary schools and then to university. So so I, I'm always uh, grateful that I was born an accident of birth into a family that could provide me with those opportunities. But I'm very grateful for the journey I've had because it's got me where, where I am today. Moving to the next level about, you've talked about secondary school and high school. Just oh, before I want to, um, next question is first job. But part of my journey and the struggles I had was um, I grew up in a single parent household, but um, but also experienced a lot of bullying. Uh, so I've had a lot of bullying both in sort of primary school, high school, been in university. To a certain extent, some I was always a little bit different in the planning profession. Um, but uh, and also then even as Lord Mayor, uh, when it comes to the media, um, and uh, that's going to go around well. Next headline is Stephen Yowards claims media are bullies, but there's a fair share of it. Uh, certainly, a lot more opinions in the media now than than reporting. I had my fair share, which has both made me tough, but also made me a bit soft on the edges. I get a bit emotional sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it does it does show in what I've got to know of you too, because you know it it, it has um, you know these things leave their mark, um, but it has made you more resilient. I think you know, and you, you're able to sort of deal with life slings and arrows. And I know um, you know we've both been through a bit of that in the last few years, and uh, so we've been helping one another out there and I want to get to that in a minute because I you know I've just talked about my tough times I think we'll can we talk, do that now we sure could... yeah 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 so it's so um just for, for listeners that many would know if they know me but my wife Jan for to whom I was married for over 37 years and uh and um in a relationship with for over 40 years died about 18 months ago after 12 months of a uh, a really horrendous treatment path through a rare and aggressive form of um bladder cancer we had 40 years together we which is wonderful, and and you know it, nothing's ever plain sailing. But we we led a good, really good life together, and and I was blessed by that. We just thought we had fifteen or twenty years more together. Mm. And I'm just going to put it right here. This this episode is dedicated to Jan. 
Oh, lovely. Because it, it was your wedding anniversary yesterday. It was my wedding yeah, anniversary no, yesterday. Thank um, you. Greg really supported me when I lost the election on a preferential count back by 182 votes, and it was really tough on me. Uh, and I subsequently had the chance, and he's come down to Adelaide a few times, and we've gone on road trips and hung out. We've, I think I've counted now we've hung out in at least six or seven cities. Yeah, we seem to manage. Manage to get the, together in Delhi and places, don't yeah, we? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Keep, let's let's keep going on that one. So, um, so there's a bit of our background. So, you know, you've got to walk through the Valley of Death to sort of stop and appreciate things, and we both had a bit of a crack at that. But I want to ask you, and I don't know the answer to this, two first jobs, your first ever job and then your first like, planning job. Right. Well, my first ever job, uh, I, I like this answer because I worked for two weeks as a builder's labourer off-sider in the construction of the Bogger Road Jail in Brisbane in a job that my father got me. So, and, and my specific task was to go and clean out all the toilets that they had been installed but hadn't been cleaned yet for the first batch of prisoners coming in. So I spent two weeks doing that as my first ever exposure to a getting paid to do something. Well, we hope we have an international audience. So I'm going to say hooly dooly, which is a great Australian term for wow and that's that's fantastic i didn't know that one yeah i'd say it was uh you know i was like an i was a not a, the most mature 15 year old so i was a kid amongst men you know but, uh, it, it was a great you know look back on it fondly even though i i, I do remember uh the foreman kenny said um he said uh, you know because dad was a lawyer and you know and i'm going to swear in this you know swear warning but he said uh you're the lawyer's son are you i said yes i am sir you know and he said well get up there and clean those dunnies out and if you don't do a good job but you'll need all your fucking legal brains to talk your way out of it you know that was the very first thing that my boss said to me you know so i thought yeah, right welcome oh. to the real world <laughs> Yeah, but my first uh, planning job, so I graduated in uh, the Middle Ages, 1977. You were born then, were you? Uh, uh, yes, just, I was yeah. six. But I, I came out at the bottom of, a, um, of an economic downturn and there weren't many planning jobs around, but I managed to crack a job in the planning branch of the education department in Queensland. So I was doing work on working out where we should be buying sites or where we should be opening schools. So I did that for two years and it was a really good way of seeing inside the state government. I also worked a lot with colleagues in local government so I got to know people in that field and understand what they did so whilst it was sort of a niche specialist sort of job it was a good one to launch into a, a broader career mm, so my now let's turn this around yeah, now my, yeah. my first job was working in a supermarket out the back crushing boxes right uh, and I had to do that um, uh, to pay for my own haircuts sometimes buy my own lunch uh, start to fund some my own things the first ever bike I bought I bought with my own money uh, and so and it was a dirty hard ass job and there was no doubt about it my first planning job I was kind of thinking about this I didn't know whether it was paid or unpaid so I'm going to tell quickly my unpaid one where I was wearing ripped jeans that looked like the lead singer of Def Leppard and a Metallica t-shirt and uh, my professor Stephen Hamnett yes. with you know um, called me into his office and I actually walked in thinking I'm going to be told off of one of wearing and he said i'd like you to go and do work experience at the adelaide 2020 office they picked three town planning students from that year and i walked out numb thinking why me and on reflection i kind of looked back and think oh i must have done something i didn't realize that i must have stood out then all the time but yeah. it was an incredible privilege yeah. and that 
it's also a bit of an explanation to this whole futurist thing yeah. is that 2020 has become 2050 yeah, yeah. Well, for sure and I, I was really I was like amazed I walked in thinking I was going to get told off and walked out thinking I've just been handballed an incredible opportunity my first job getting paid was um, at the Department of Transport in the uh, office uh, over summer school where I had an opportunity to go in and, and look at development applications and start thinking about transport but um, gosh we could list so many jobs and uh, so we're going to fly into yeah, the... I forgot, actually. I did I did some um, uh, vacation employment too at, at Pine River Shire Council mm. through the great, the offices of Jeff Humphreys, whom you'd know around the planning profession. Mm. So that I did do six weeks then. Yeah. And I've just, as a young planner, remember standing on street corners interviewing people about um, different things and doing surveys. And, and my first full-time job was in the State Government Department in planning policy. I always remember being incredibly nervous about writing my first report. And um, my boss came back and said, oh, this is pretty good. And I was like, oh, okay, I can work in this industry for the rest of my life now. So go yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah. And, and so in terms of uh, that, we were going to sort of uh, list of jobs. But do you want to give us a quick process? I'll, I'll do a really fast forward. Yeah. So, so after two years in the education department, I got a job in a council called Bodesert Shire Council. no longer exists in Brisbane, in, in, in you Queensland. You said quickly, Bodesert. Bodesert. I like no, that. No, it's, a... it's B apostrophe, Bodesert. Bodesert. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how the locals pronounce mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, that was, I went down there thinking I'd stay two years, ended up staying 12 years and ran the planning department, a small planning department in a kind of mixed uh, rural, um, peri-urban tourist sort of place. Um, and uh, so, you know, I was running a planning department at 28 years old, did that for 12 years down there in total. And then we started Buckley Van with my good friend and colleague, Chris Buckley, which was, uh, we started as a two-man uh, consultancy. Um, Chris left after about 17 years. It was, you know, I think we had a great time building that business, not really because we were trying to build a business, just because we wanted to do good things. And uh, uh, about three years ago or so, we merged that business into what is now Ethos Urban, which is an, a, a national business w- with offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Three companies, from one from each city, merged into one new entity. So I'm now a director there and on the board of that company. So and all along the way, I've been president of the Planning Institute in Queensland and a few other bits and pieces. A few other bits and pieces. Dude, there's so many other bits and pieces. It's not funny, but we don't want to make this episode too long because that's uh, that would be pushing our luck. Yeah, I yeah, think. That, you know, okay, so my, can I give you, yeah, you really quickly? So mine was I worked in the South Australian government. I did policy. I did um, two years, three months, and one week in development assessment uh, in the state government development assessment commission, which was fascinating. Um, in the state government, when you do development assessment, you do big projects. So I was very privileged from a young age. It's like 23, 20 and I was looking after development approvals for multi-million dollar developments, the, the, the applicants often looked at me and said, mate, you shouldn't even be, you're not old enough to even do this stuff. It was always quite curious. Did state uh, strategic planning, uh, both looking at metropolitan uh, open space and, and worked heavily in, and got the whole urban ecology thing from early days and uh, also did metropolitan urban planning, infrastructure pipes, wires, uh, urban development, etc. Then I got a job as the research officer to the Environment Resources Development committee of the South Australian Parliament I always remember getting that job and thinking I've finally made it I'm just like I'm in Parliament I'm in Parliament and I worked with a whole pile of politicians I was um, didn't 
parliamentary inquiries. And then from there, I went to be the principal planner at the city of Playford, which is a really big council on the fringe of Adelaide, urban growth, seriously disadvantaged, um, some of the most disadvantaged suburbs in, the, in Australia, as well as Elizabeth, which was a famous satellite city. So I did a lot of metropolitan planning and um, a regional centre planning and those sorts of things. Um, then I got sort of, uh, I'm going to offend someone. This is not swearing, but it's rude. I got sick and tired of giving good advice to elected members that don't always necessarily understand the issues. So I thought I'd become an elected member that didn't understand the issues myself. Um, Normally say it a different way, but yeah, I'll leave yeah, it at that. that I went and knocked on, I put five grand on my credit card, did all my own campaign material, didn't pull up any posters, um, knocked on lots of doors and became a councillor, um, quit my job, uh, became deputy Lord Mayor, and then I put 20 grand on my credit card, uh, only sort of candidate in memory to never put up core flutes, didn't campaign on Stephen Yarwood, campaigned on Adelaide's future, bookies had me at 15 to 1, and on my preferential count, I won by a mile. And, became, and door knocked every, every door in the oh, city. I did. Yeah. Um, 800 kilometres of door knocking, seven days a week for four months. I call it bleeding stumps. It was the most incredibly privileged and amazing and humbling experience, and oh, we could do a whole episode on just the stuff. Uh, you know, I met people dying, I met rich, I met poor. Uh, I know where all the brothels are in Adelaide. The list goes on. It was incredible a journey, um, and um, yeah, and, um, and fast forward four years. Yeah, fast forward four years, and it was an amazing time. And then, um, if I'm allowed to say, um, I still think it's funny. Youngest Lord Mayor of a capital city in history of Australia, which is kind of a bit of a giggle. My comment is, I still can't believe I got away with it in the first place. It was it was great. Um, and fast forward four years, City 2050 hung out my shingle as a as a futurist. Some people giggled, some people got it, and uh, um, the rest is history. I've been going around and and working with city, states, nations, corporations, communities but we'll talk about that in a minute. So that's kind of my journey. I wanted to talk about ideologies and values and, and how we how we think because I think this is a really important part of it. So um, you kick off because you're the old wise guy, not so old, but you're the wise man. I'd, I'd really like you to sort of talk about that because I think I'll bounce off that. Well, I, I think I... The thing that gets me out of bed and has done my whole career is making a difference, the concept of making a difference. So actually making a difference in people's lives, making a difference in our cities, making a difference in the experiences we have in our urban environment. So I sort of stumbled into planning at one level. Like I, I did it because my best mate and I at school decided we'd do the same course and that one sounded like a bit, bit of fun. Uh, but later on I realised that this was the ideal form by which you can make a difference. You could, you could actually you know, plan the future of communities actually influence where communities are going. So that's been my central kind of guiding light. The, the, the two other things I really care a lot about is fairness, about, about um, equity in cities and helping people reach their potential. So I do a lot of mentoring and I've done a lot of, you know, paid and unpaid work with many people in our profession and beyond over many years. And I wanted to quickly touch on that. Um, I think that's a big rub off of Jan. Uh, Jan was a very, uh, was very aware of people and personalities. And I see that I didn't have a chance to meet Jan, um, but I do see that in you. And I think that's something I just wanted to stress well, is thank that you. Yeah. you do great. Um, Greg does, just as I could be a little bit cheeky, I'm, I make quite 
cynical comments about Greg. He's an incredibly loving, caring, supportive, and very observational. If you ever get a chance to, to, to have him unpick you as a person and help you improve as a person, it's a great experience because he does it very gently and, and very considerate. Way. And, 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 and I, I think it's a privilege for people who give me that opportunity to help them where, get where they want to go. So, yeah. See, so, he yeah. is good at yeah. it, isn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, that, so that, that's probably quickly about me. So, I, But I do say in my career I spend more and more time doing less and less. I, I, I tend to um, have done things in planning that I don't want to do anymore. I want to do more of the big stuff, the things that make a difference, you know. Mm. And I, I think that's the same. Um, you know, I, I wanted to make a difference in this world. Uh, I did do a grad dip in environmental studies and alert about climate change you know, a good 25 now almost 30 years ago uh, and that's been a big driver of, of my work why I ran for Lord Mayor uh, the work I'm doing now um, but also I, I kind of sort of understand that the world can often be run by pale stale male um, men um, in their 50s and 60s who think that the last 10 years is what the next the future looks like and I've always been interested in knowing that the future will look nothing like the past and so it both scares and excites me and that's something that really you know engages me and uh, I spent the first 20 or 30 years of people uh, laughing at me thinking what's a futurist and what's the point but now more than ever it's the it's almost one of the big games in town and yeah, it's really exciting yeah, your, your so, timing was great your oh, timing has come well i went through but, the valley of you know, oh, the, know. getting laughed yeah, at as yeah. a futurist well i mean that when i make fun of you i call you a nerd you know and because you are kind of nerdy in the sense that you want to know the ins and outs and the science behind things and but you know that it's that lifelong interest that you've had that has positioned you brilliantly to be a futurist now, thank you. I do love the science, and, and that's where we talked about you really uh, under, like to understand how people tick, whereas I, I love the science and I love the numbers and data and, yeah, scientific brain. And, yeah, so there's the ideology and the values. And, and so for me also it's about sustainability, livability and productivity. Uh, we live on a moat of dust around a humdrum star in the backward corner of an obscure galaxy in a constantly expanding universe at Hubble's constant by the way. Yes. And so yeah. uh, I do come across as Is really confident. Is that a Python song at all? That no, no, that was Carl Sagan. Oh, okay. You yeah. heard of Carl Sagan? Yeah, he's one of my heroes. Yeah, of course you have. So whilst I, I'm keen as mustard in all of those, I really know that we've got to, we're here for a blink of a moment and you've got to give it a crack. Red hot go. Apparently I'm famous for saying yeah, red hot go. I, I, give I, it I a crack. You get one crack. life. Yeah. You know, go hard. Yeah. Straight and up the guts. Bl you know? Bloody yeah. oath. There's yeah. another Aussie term. Yeah. You know, in terms of things that, that I've done in my career, just to round it out, that I really have enjoyed, I was most recently the project director for the Regional Plan for South East Queensland under Shaping SEQ, which I think was one of the, my great achievements being part of the team that produced that document. You know, they're hard work regional plans. There's, mm. there's a lot of, lot of moving parts, a lot of stakeholders, and I think we turned out a really great product. I was really proud of being um, involved in the Next Generation Planning Handbook that came out in 2011 and sort of rethought a little about how you, how you do planning from a, away from a zoning-based to a place-based approach. And, uh, and I, I, the third thing I think that I have really been proud of is I chaired the, a task force on transit-oriented development in Queensland from 2006-2009, a state body that was, uh, was appointed by the Premier to do that. And that kind of sowed the seeds and and made the ground more fertile for those ideas um so you know there's some things that i look back on and think yeah i'm glad i did that mm, so you've mentioned three so i'm going to keep it three firstly obviously 
being Lord Mayor was just incredible and uh, as I said I still can't believe I got away with it. Most importantly um, I don't feel like I ever really did anything. Uh, people achieve great things when motivated. Morale went up four years in a row and staff were able to come to work and get stuff done because they knew they had a council worker kid backing them to the hilt and for me that was the achievement so I don't ever say I, other people. Yeah, I never say I did stuff. People, Other people say I did stuff and I sometimes fits a bit uncomfortably and you sometimes help me with that. So that was obviously a no-brainer. A couple of other experiences is, and I've done a bit, fair bit of public speaking in front of some pretty big crowds and um, that in itself is just sort of, I'm going to circle that and say it's an incredible privilege and I often say crazy stuff because if you don't say something absurd as a futurist you're not doing your job right. I regularly get people write to me weeks or even months afterwards and just say I can't stop thinking about your stuff you're talking about and I just, I'm, I just you know that surprises me and I never ever take any of that for granted but I did have one speech where I got off stage and I didn't think about it afterwards I did a keynote uh, for Bloomberg Philanthropies for the Smart Cities India gig and I got off stage and realised that I just addressed the 100 smart cities mayors and commissioners who represent over 100 million constituents in their country Wow! and I had then subsequently got um, two of them invited me to Pune and um, and Hyderabad and, and I got a chance to go and different place oh and Bhopal um, those moments you just go oh my god who yeah, would have ever yeah, thought a yeah, kid yeah, from Wyala you know, oh, yeah, that was bizarre yeah, so that's yeah. two um, and the third one is I had a chance to go and do some strategic planning for us uh, for the city of Mecca and that was kind of like a holy grail and it was quite just funny because I never actually saw the city uh, but I worked with some really interesting people uh, really thought about the future of a big city a global city the 14th most visited city on the planet and they're the moments I keep going I never have thought when I was out knocking on doors getting you know blisters uh, that these things would happen so there's some career, That's career highlights yeah, yeah. to me you know one thing I'm really interested in and I guess we're coming round to what we you know why are we doing this why are we sitting here talking about us in the context of the city speak podcast i've always been really fascinated and more so in the last 10 or 15 years of my career about understanding the link between the planning function the infrastructure provision function and the funding function and we tend to run these things separately do a plan try and work out the infrastructure then work out how we're going to pay for it but the truth is that that cycle needs to be revisited yep. to actually make all of those parts work together so you actually are producing a planning outcome by the right infrastructure investments that you can afford to do in in a way that is going to sustain your communities you know environmentally socially economically so that's a real key piece for me to get people to understand you know cities I know to borrow your line, they're, they're not rocket science, they're infinitely more complex, but uh, to understand that there are some basic mechanics of city of getting city building right that can actually project your city forward a long way. I'm a great fan of one thing Bill Gates said, which was we all overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in 10. And you've got to take that 10 to 20 year perspective when you're thinking about your city, about how different it is now to what it was 10 years ago and 20 years ago, if you can remember and then start to think about the changes you want to make in the next 10 or 20 years. Also, one thing I really relate to with you, Greg, is you do see cities from more than just a planning perspective. And I think there is a transition from being a planner who does development assessment or thinks about cities from a planning perspective through to being an urbanist. And an urbanist is really about seeing a much bigger picture and understanding the operating system of cities and wants to implement it from a whole pile of different angles. And that's yeah. something that I guess we, we share. We share, and that's why 
I, that's, but I, you know, I, if I want to be provocative, I say to people, look, do you want to be the people who regulate the carports or do you want to be the profession of the big ideas that shape our future? You know, and I know which path I'd rather be on. Mm. And there's a role for everyone, but yeah. ultimately carports are going to be taken over by machines. That's uh, right. But we won't you know have that what we need? If we had a futurist, they could probably tell us something <laughs> about that. You know, that's anyone that's any good. But I'm going to change this. So I'm going to talk about um, where, what we want to do. Let's talk about our own little businesses and stuff. We're not going to sell. We're just going to explain what we do in our day jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start if you ethos like. Urban. Ethos Urban. So Ethos Urban, uh, one of the interesting things about Ethos Urban is the name took us about 10 months to come up with because it's it's not an easy thing to think of a new name that, that A, isn't taken and B, sort of really nails what you want to do. What Ethos Urban is all about in the end is, is two things. For, for, for the people we work for, we want to create better urban experience for uh, the people who are creating cities and the people who are experiencing cities. So that's our fundamental driver about what we're about. Um, we've got not just um, people from the traditional planning background, we've got economists, urban designers, engagement people. So we've got a range of people that are good at that. Uh, and fundamentally, for if you want to be an to come and work for us, we want people who want to make a difference. That's our core driver. So they're the two things that I think we do and we believe in the power of relationships and partnerships and so we want to help the people that we partner with get the best outcomes for the better urban experience. Fantastic. Right. Over to you, Sunny Tw City 2050. Okay, so I was um, told by a young entrepreneur, never put your name on the door, and so I was trying to come up with a name that defined the value proposition that I would do when I finally became a, a futurist. And you don't can't do degree. Well, you can do some subjects in being a futurist, but um, but it, it, it is something that you have to kind of live and breathe. And uh, I remember sitting in a fringe show in Adelaide and finally came up with City 2050. And City 2050 is that every city in the world will do a 2050 plan. It's a long-term transformative strategic planning. We often talk about smart cities or cities in the next five to ten years, but by 2035, machines are going to be smarter than us. And there's a whole range of things. There's artificial intelligence, there's climate change, um, there's the citizen of the future. There's so much here that I think is so game-changing that we, we're building infrastructure today for that period and we don't really even understand that period. So um, I like to sort of be the planner that planners love to hate and hate to love. I, I do challenge people and an Australian term we've used is rat bag and a bit cheeky but I also get paid to do that and that's fun. People say, oh, we want you to be the agent provocateur that's the one and so uh, the burr yeah, under the saddle yeah the troublemaker so yeah. I, I don't mind that but <laughs> the like, devil's advocate oh thank christ i finally get paid for it that's so that's that's a bit of fun for me though it's about thought leadership it's about helping people understand that and, and encouraging them to be prepared and equipped to create the future it's not about predicting the future it's about helping people and being empowered to create the future because the future hasn't happened and so this stuff this podcast is about inspiring people to be the change they want to see in the world and that that's what city 2050 is all about yeah and, and even though you know you, you, hopefully anyone who's still listening to us talk about ourselves you know you know we you know we do have a background in in, in this whole city's business well we don't hold ourselves out as the experts we know and we both i know we've discussed this many times that we both 
strongly hold the belief that if you think you know it all, it's time to give it away. We are always learning. We're always kind of, you know, understanding in more depth and, and learning new things. Every time we talk to someone, someone gives you an angle. They say, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, that's a great thing. And the great thing about the podcast is being able to talk to those people. The yeah. more I learn, the more I realise how little I know. Yeah. And I'm an information junkie and, and that's that's the journey, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So I, that, I, can I just say one other thing too? One of the key things I think we we have a responsibility to do is take all this complexity and boil it down into some simple ideas that everyone can understand as to why why cities are better if we do this. That's a kind of key skill that you need if you really want to make a difference to your city. And it doesn't matter whether you're a professional city builder, a community advocate, somebody interested in some local um, issue in your part of the world, you know, if you can do that, you're going to get be a lot more effective at getting an outcome. Yeah, and one of the things I like to say to elected members and planners is it doesn't matter what you do, unless a citizen gets out of bed and does something differently to the day before, you're just wasting your time. And so I guess that's what this is really about, is you know, getting people to understand that they are a part of the future and they are empowered in a world where sometimes you can feel like the world is taking control of you rather than the other way around. Yeah, I always make the, um, the comparison, are you a cork bobbing on the of life and just going with wherever it takes you or actually you know rowing a boat in a specific direction you know you actually have a place that you're trying to get to and you're actually purposely working towards it and and you know I, the latter choice is the more empowering the one that's more useful and helpful to us as a species and ultimately better will create better urban experience so you know i think we share this passion we share this interest but fundamentally we're not trying to talk to people like us we're trying to talk to people who live in cities, who experience cities every day. We would love them to understand their cities better, to love their city. So we hope that some of what we're talking about will rub off on everyone uh, across the whole spectrum of people who live in cities, who want to go to cities. Yeah, so I think we could wrap it up there. But for once... Would I you mean, like to say one more thing? I was going to completely agree with you <laughs> very quickly, and I've touched on this, but, you know, I think... You know, there's so much in connecting with people and communicating. The, the difference between someone who's good at their job and great at their job is the ability to articulate things. Yeah. And um, what we really want to do is help empower people to understand and articulate what they want to achieve and create those collaborations. And I must say, just, you know, why did this podcast happen? It, it happened because I lost an election. I was totally devastated and I needed a new mentor. I did a glo I did a national search um, and from that is this incredible friendship that you and I have, have created which we're both grateful for and it, it comes from learning to love cities and and the opportunity to do that with you is just absolutely fantastic and we hope that we can inspire other people. So the last thing I'm going to say before I throw to you is that not only do we love cities and we want the people who are listening but we would ask that you potentially share this podcast and, and encourage other people to learn to love cities because it's about building resilient communities, it's about positive change and it's about getting us to be more livable, more sustainable, more productive and we do that by articulating and communicating to a broader audience that hasn't had the opportunity to learn these things. Spot on brother. So thanks everyone for letting us into your head, for giving us some ear time and uh, we hope a little bit of what we're interested in and what we're talking about will rub off on you and you will go ahead and make a difference in your city. 